Hello everyone, my name is Kalp Nasutha and I am the award-winning author for Never Judge a Book by Its Cover and you're listening to Cut to the Chase podcast. Stepping out beyond boundaries takes courage and the ability to dream. We are excited to share our new audio podcast called Cut to the Chase, The structure of this podcast embodies open dialogue with friends, family, and professional colleagues talking about things that impact our ability to thrive. We hope that you will join our unscripted, unbridled podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cut to the Chase, episode 131, entitled Journey to Success. So, journey to success is something that we all aspire to accomplish, we aspire to achieve, but sometimes we don't actually achieve that dream. And so, from a quote that I pulled together today, it basically goes like this, you become what you believe. You are where you are today in life based on everything you have believed. And believe it or not, folks, that comes from Miss Oprah Winfrey. So today, our featured guest is an ex-police officer with over six years in the London, UK police force. Since leaving the force, she has traveled all over the world working with a six to nine figure guru in the digital marketing sector, forming sales procedures and coaching teams on sales events. She also is probably one of the only award-winning authors that has a copy of her book in Her Majesty's Queen of England Private Royal Library. The book is entitled, Never Judge a Book by Its Cover, My Aspiring Journey to Success. Since her book launch in Toronto, Canada, she has been presented variations of awards. She's been on TV interviews published articles, platforms, Manhattan um, Neighborhood Network, The Huffman Post, Rourke Channel, Amazon TV Fire, Footprint TV, iTunes, and One Tribute Magazines. She has also started an English school in Bali, Indonesia, where she lived for two years with the local family that were not able to afford to send their kids to English class. So instead, she started with one child, and soon the word got out, and eventually she had 12 children attending her class. She's been involved with amazing charities called Bali Wise. Her role was to teach and transform women from being traditional housewives into growing and monetizing their skills and better quality of life for them and their families. Now. She's been a coach, she's been a small business owner, and of course she has a program out which helps people implement the five main pillars of business, which are sales, marketing, finance, operation, and leadership, as well as incorporating the mindset of work-life balance by using her superpower and her uncanny ways to be able to think outside of the box. Today, she has come here to talk with us about gaining a new perspective and how she has provided 
these new perspectives to her clients so that they understand that throwing their money at their business rather than having their business or their clients chase them. And without further ado, Calpin, how are you doing today? Hi, Zay. Um, I am doing well. Thank you for that introduction. That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, pal, I got to bring it all the way for you, you know, because, you know, every time I have a featured guest from a country that I love, a country that I have spent so much time uh, not only working, but experiencing and, and living, um, you know, I just feel like I'm connected. I feel like I'm talking to somebody from from back home almost, you know? Oh, <laughs> that's so sweet of you to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, we're delighted to have you on the program. There are so many things I want to talk about. I mean, I started, of course, I won't say this like, you know, like I was reading your book and driving, but I mean, I was, <laughs> I was, I was going through as much notes and various things as I could as I was traveling back. And I'll tell you, you know, never judge a book by its cover. You know, I, I want to start there just for a moment before we dive into the history of who you are as an individual and, and talk about those things. But I want to say that that quote the title of that book, there are so many things that really kind of set the fundamental stage for all of the stuff that's going on today in society. And I'll tell you, you know, we, we're going to have some fun today. I, I, I hope you're ready to, to really gravitate to, to where I want to take this conversation and uh, just have, have a lot of fun with uh, diving into this topic. Oh my and God, so, I cannot wait. Like, I'm looking forward to this. So many little nuggets and secrets I've got to tell you all, guys, and I can't wait to tell you all. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So I tell you, the first thing, you know, as as we set the stage for our our listeners, you know, you were a police officer. I mean, let let's start right there. I mean, let let's be let's be realistic. Being a police officer in London for six years as a woman, as a minority, what was that like oh my gosh so that's just some of the story right there <laughs> the the biggest one when i told people now this all happened by accident let me let me start from the beginning it happened by accident right i never even thought that i would get into the police force okay mm -hmm. um it's just something that i stumbled across um i just finished uni um doing my law and criminology degree was looking mm -hmm. to go into um law and work in like a magistrate's court. Um, and I came across, you know, this whole recruitment thing about the police and joining the force. And I thought, I did it as a joke, a complete mm -hmm. joke. Never thought I would get in. Filled in the application form, followed the steps. And by the time I knew it, I was getting suited and booted for a uniform. <laughs> now, when I told people that I'm going to be joining the police force, they were like, no way. And what, uh, what happens is on a podcast is because you can't see me, when right. people do see me, their mouths drop because I'm actually four foot 11, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. people were like, hold on a second, isn't there a height restriction? Like, <laughs> how did you get into the police force? How are you going to manage to do this, right? right. And I'm right. like, listen, no, there is no height restriction because then 
um, that's called discrimination. Exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, and when I got suited and booted for my uniform, they had to custom make my Met vest because there wasn't anything smaller than what I needed. Mm-hmm. Right? And mm-hmm. when I actually did join the force and, you know, went out there on the streets, and I'll tell you something, it's nothing like what people see on TV. It's worse, right? Because sure. you're actually, you're, you're not just seeing, you're hearing, you're smelling. Everything that's going on in the crime scene, I've come across bodies that were decapitated, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, it was just completely different experience to anything that I've ever gone through. But I appreciate it so much because once you've seen the bad, the worst, the ugly, right? You mm-hmm. can appreciate the good in your life even more. Right, right. And what I learned from the police force, well, it's very stressful. And you're always mm-hmm. faced with negativity. All the time you're surrounded by it, you can't help it. It's just the nature of the the, the role. Mm-hmm. And the amount of stress that you get put in put into in that role, um, the amount of um, emotional turmoil that you go through because all the things that you see, you need to be very thick skinned mentally and physically mm-hmm. to deal mm-hmm. with that. And I mean, I love that part of my life and I'll never change anything about it because now I can appreciate the good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We, we certainly appreciate you sharing that, uh, that backstory with us because I think it's important for, for everyone to understand that, you know, regardless of where you are in the world, you know, there, there still is a lot of, you know, stereotypical type things that go on. And it, and it was rather coincidental because I didn't know that tidbit of, of information about you, that you were that short, but you know, <laughs> uh, as they say, you know, for, for me, they say big things come in small packages. So I mean, you, you know, know. I, 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 I bet you, you were able to deliver, you know, one wallop of a punch, you know, when it, when it came to, uh, taking care of business out there on the streets. Definitely. And, uh, um, and the other thing that people don't know is before I joined the police force and while I was in the joint force, um, in the force, I was actually a, a Muay Thai fighter. Mm-hmm. And um, I was actually that—that that was going to be my career. Like I love, I love to fight. Even since since I was younger, I love to fight. Even being four foot eleven, I love mm-hmm. to fight. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, while I was in training, I was doing training for um, many years, and I had my first um, professional fight in Thailand. Um, I actually caused my entire neck, shoulder, and spine injury, and I had to quit quit my career in the fighting game. And that's how I ended up in the police force. Wow. Yes. So you've had a lot of transitional fundamental foundations that have kind of led to the next plateau in your life. And so you went from being a fighter into becoming a police officer. And then of course, once you left the police force, you decided to pursue your digital marketing uh, career and coaching career, which, which now that's currently what you're doing. But before, before I get to that point, I guess the one thing that I wanted to bring up was the fact that, you know, at every juncture, there was a lesson captured. So you went from the dedication, the physicality of fighting, and then you transcended that in through your education. And then you transcended that into, uh, becoming a police officer, which really taught you, like you said, the resiliency, the perseverance, the thick skin, you know, 
how to deal with so many different adversities and challenges, which are all the things that you have to deal with in business as you deal with new clients, as you deal with new customers, new people, new technology, all these different crazy things. And so walk us through just a little bit, you know, of this six to nine figure guru digital marketing sales and procurement and coaching that you do for event sales. Okay, awesome. So now this was, I mean, I keep saying it all happened by accident, but then people out there believe that nothing ever happens by accident, right? It's coincidence, Um, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) I mean, that's another thing. I mean, there's so many things I can talk to you about and also like, you know, people labeling people in certain situations, circumstances. Mm -hmm. But I mean, yeah, I went from being a police officer to doing the coaching and actually working with different organizations all over the world. And um, it literally happened at the click of a finger. The minute I quit my um, policing role, I was then asked to come and join um, this organization, helping them with the, the digital company and events, like within three weeks of mm-hmm. me quitting my job, right? And I never thought once I quit my police, the police force job that I will be able to get a job that quick. And it happened that quick. Wow. And um, they said to me, right, we need you to kind of help with ourselves, help with our events, the logistics, um, the admin, um, and you're the first person that we've recruited in our events team. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, holy crap. And I don't have a background in events. <laughs> right. So right. this is all completely new to me. Sure. And so as I went through that transition, I learned, and they told me, they go, you got three days to pack your bags and fly to Malaysia. That was my first event in Malaysia, right? Mm-hmm. So I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I can do that. And I just learned, I asked questions because this was a different environment I was going into. And anyone that says, you know, if you want to change your career, you need to have qualifications, you need to have experience, you need to have this, that, the other. It's all a lie. You don't need none of that. I went in not having any of that, right? Cold but turkey. I learned exactly. Right. But I mm-hmm. learned, and as long as you're willing to learn, right, there is no issue with it at all. You can learn, you can progress. And so I went in there and I asked the right questions. And it was funny because the person at the time, he was actually um, managing the entire um events and sales he actually said to me after recruiting a few people and a few months went down the line he goes you're the only one that, all, that asked me questions no one else on the team asked me questions and i'm mm. not because i'm the only one on the team that hasn't come from this background and i want right. to learn <clears throat> right, right? Mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. then what i also learned is that because i was coming in with a blank canvas Right, mm-hmm. I was able to pick things up a lot quicker than people that have had that background because they were fighting certain situations. They didn't like this. They didn't like how they were doing this. They didn't like this plan or this strategy. Whereas I just went in, okay, show me what to do and I'll do it. Yeah, no pers- no preconceived notions. No, basically. exactly. Right. <laughs> and I find that's exactly what happens to some of the clients that I've, I've actually spoken to. People mm-hmm. that feel mm-hmm. like they've got all this experience behind them want to tell you how to coach but yet they need the help right Right. but if you go in there willing to learn with a blank canvas those people are a lot more coachable than others with the with some sort of a background yeah 
Yeah. Well, you know, I think that's been one of the keys to your early successes is the fact that you've been able to, like you said, clear your mind, uh, come in with a clean slate. And of course, by not having the uh, prior experience and no preconceived notions, you don't carry a lot of baggage with you when you go into these new situations, which has really made it, you know, predominantly successful for you to have this journey of successes that that really have led you from one transcending kind of role into another role, which you've been able to flourish and 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 you know and excel at you know, time and time and time again, because one, the industries have been so different. And then two, like you said, you never knew anything about these things prior to you stepping into those roles for the first time. And it just gave you something, you know, uh, to look forward towards, you know, it was a new challenge. It was a a new adventure, Um, maybe even a new toy. (laughs) Right. And, you know, it's funny. And that's exactly how I went into it. Because with me, in my mind, it was like, oh, my God, I get to start again. Like I'm the lucky one, right? Right. I get to start from the beginning all over again. There's there's nothing, you know, negative in the point where, oh, my God, you know, some people are like, well, I've got to start from the beginning again. No, I quite enjoyed it, right? Because all of a sudden I've got all these skills from different areas, right? Mm -hmm. And when you're in those different roles, you find that you can merge certain things in one another, right? And there's different things in different areas that you will actually pick up. Um, one of the biggest lessons that I learned, and I had no idea that I was doing this, but it made complete sense, is that you end up forming habits. Habits yes. that aren't necessarily great to be passing on, right? So right, one of the right. biggest habits that I had, and I had no idea that I was doing this, is that I had a police officer stance all the time. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Yes. And um, apparently, every room I walked into, I scanned it down. And coming from an event, right, where you're meant to be approachable, um, sales, where you're meant to be approachable, right? People Mm -hmm. on my team were saying to me, you're doing it again. I'm like, doing what? They were like, you're standing like a police officer. You're scanning the room down. Like, you got to quit that. That was a habit that I end up, yeah, taking on and didn't realize I was doing it. So there were right. certain habits like that that I had, was made aware of and I had to break free of it. Sure. And it happened sure. over time, but it had to be done. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can only imagine. You know, one, one of the things that uh, <clears throat> I can relate to as you talk about that type of habit, you know, for, for many, many years for me, for about 14, 15 years or so, I worked in you know, the, the, well, excuse me, I'll back up. I was in the military and then I left the military and went into the semiconductor industry. And then from the semiconductor industry into owning my own business. So these habits that you're talking about, right. You know, having Mm -hmm. this show up on time, this tough exterior, you know, the, the rigidness to actually get things done, hold people accountable, do all these type of things. As soon as I switched over to owning my first company, well, those things don't, like you said, they don't go over very well. <laughs> right. People are like, you know, this guy's an a-hole. This guy's a pain in my butt. This guy <laughs> drives me nuts. He's persistent, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But of course, you know, some of those things you just don't want to let go because you really have to try and, you know, I won't say command the room, but you have to make sure 
that things are progressing forward because, you know, a lot of times you deal with people that are complacent and uh, they, 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 they're satisfied with that complacency, but yet you're not satisfied with that complacency. So you don't want to put yourself in that situation where you have to settle, particularly if it's not something mm-hmm. that, you know, lives up to your standards, you know, and, uh, you know, I battled with that for, for years because, Every time I took on a new client, every time I took on, you know, it was like, you know, are they judging me because I'm a minority or are they judging me because of this or are they judging me because of that? You know, it was all this psychological crap that, you know, you just got in your head that you're just trying to, you're trying to be a freaking imposter almost, right. you know, you're trying to yeah. figure out, you know, how do I fit into this damn bubble? And I think I, one of the things I like about what we're talking about right now is that if I would have gone into it with a clean slate, and allowed for the three strike rule to occur. For me, it's three strikes. You know, it's like I'll give you two opportunities. If you if you kind of f up, then uh, you know I'm not giving you a third strike because right. you, you've you've offended me, you've hurt me, you've done something that mm. that has really let me down. So why would I want to give you a third time to do that? But I think if I would have gone in kind of, you know, candidly clean slate with every single opportunity versus you know bringing some of these things forward things probably could have worked out a lot differently. I mean, not to say that they were bad, you know, when I started my companies, but, you know, they probably could have worked out a lot differently. Maybe, maybe people wouldn't have, you know, relished the fact of calling me an a-hole or something like that, you know, but, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's the past, you know, you, you learn from these things and you move forward. You don't bring those things, you know, into your future after you look back on them. And of course, being wiser, right? You know, being wiser once you hit that threshold in life, you know, that you kind of say, all right, you know, this is what worked, this is what not worked and, and kind of let's move forward. So, so that's where my relatability to what you're talking about, because it was really on point. You know, I, I could, I could see you doing that at four foot 11, (laughs) you're standing in the hall doing a sales conference and by God, I am scanning the room. That guy over there, he looks suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> I, I literally was like that. It was really like, that person's fidgeting. Look, that person's on the phone. That person hasn't looked up for the last five minutes. That person hasn't. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually yeah. doing this, you know. And yeah. um, But it was interesting. It was just being aware of your different habits. And um, I mean, it worked in some cases because when I was when I do actually one on one consultations face to face and I'm asking certain questions, I can tell when someone's lying now because of my police training. Right. Um, And so, you know how to dig deeper. Okay, so I asked this question that made them fidget, that made them uncomfortable. Right. I need Mm -hmm. to switch Mm -hmm. up what I'm asking them, ask them something else. So it really, really does help when you're doing sales. Yeah, but yeah. one thing that I'd love to touch on is through my experience and kind of learning how to be successful throughout the journey, I've learned that there's three um, categories you've got to look mm-hmm. at, right? Mm-hmm. And so, for example, I'm going to ask you, Gregory, Okay. out of change, time, and money, which do you think is the most vital and important? Out of change, time, and money. What do I think is the most vitally important? Yes. <clears throat> well, you know, I hate to tell you this, but for me, it's change. Mm. And you know what? That is the most vitally important. When I ask people this question, most of the time they say to me, time. 
right? <laughs> yeah. They say time because you can't get oh back my time, God. right? You can't get back time. And money, well, money isn't that important because you can lose money, but you can make money as well. Now, the reason why I say change, and you're completely correct why that's more important, is because firstly, when it comes to time, every single person, no matter what background, what culture, what country you live in, everyone gets the exact amount of time, right? Mm -hmm. Now, with that being said, why is there some people on the planet that are able to make millions and when there's other people that can only make hundreds, maybe thousands with the exact same time. And the difference is because there's certain people that have been able to change their habits. That's right. Right. The minute you that's change right. your habits, that's when you can start being a lot more successful. And that's what I learned in my journey, which kind of brings me again around regards to changing my habits from what I've learned but it doesn't actually work in the place that I am now. Wow. That's rather intriguing that you would say that because I would think that as you're dealing with, you know, uh, coaching and as you're dealing with, um, you know, different types of formulations of events and sales is that to me, that market is always through constantly going through an evolution of change. Yes, that's right. It is. Um, but what some of the skills that you have learned from the past in your past roles um, mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily mean it made you successful at that time at a certain point. But then in order to grow, you've got, you've got to continuously change and evolve yourself. Right. 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 And as long as you're you're able to accept that and you are willing to continuously change because the world around us, as we all know, has completely changed, right? Click of a that's finger, right. it's completely changed. And you've got to be able to adapt to everything that's going around all around you and to your clients. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Well, <clears throat> for me, change was the number one thing that I had to learn the hard way. Because when you lose your soul, you lose your hard work. You lose the materialistic things that you thought were important. When you are on the verge of feeling like you're about to lose your life and you're only holding on by a thread, the only doggone thing that can save you at that point is change. Right. And do you know what? There was something else that I've, I've got to mention to you and the viewers, but... um. A few years ago, I actually moved to Bali, Indonesia. Yeah, I just right. decided that I'm going to pack my bags. I'm going to leave UK and go to a third world country. Don't ask me where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> but I decided that's what I want. I want to be underneath um, sun, palm trees and, you know, at the beach and a third world country. And that's what I'm going to do. And I spent um, just over two years in Bali and oh my God, was that an eye opener. There mm -hmm. were so many people around me that had, they had practically nothing, right? They were living on the basics, right? That's right. That's right. Um, and they were the most happiest people on the planet. Mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. It's almost like they, they had everything. They made it, right? And it just made me think, you know, 
us, where we come from a state where we just feel like we're entitled to everything, right? We're right. never ever happy, right? Correct. No matter how much we've got. And I was like, wow, as long as you have the basics and you have family, you've got the love there, right? Every Everyone's kind of being successful is a different definition to everyone. In Bali, just having a house, having being able to have food in your stomach and having clothes mm-hmm. on your back made them feel they were successful and they didn't need anything else. Right, right. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I lived in Peru for a good part of three and a half, almost four years, and literally the same kind of epiphany for me was looking at what people lived off of, looking at the heritage, mm. looking at the comfortability of, you know, unconditional love, the dedication that people endured, you know, the hard work that these people put in to to only get like, you know, maybe one fifth or one third or, or one eighth of the amount of earnings that people would make here in the US. But but I mean it was like like you said, they were completely happy. I mean I ended up at at a, at a point in my life where I hit rock bottom, where that became my saving grace, was mm. to be in that environment, was to be exposed to all of those things going on around me, and kind of it was a it was a wake up. It was it was it was a wake up for me to get back onto my journey towards success and understand that uh, you know life's not all about this, that, and the other life's about just the simple, simple aspects of things that really are important, you know, and, 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 and that starts with, starts with family, that starts with love, that starts with loving yourself, that starts with being appreciative, being grateful, you know, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk that goes on, you know, in the world today about mindset, positivity, all these different things. But at the end of the day, it comes right back to the fundamental basis of what you and I are talking about right now. If you're going to be on a successful journey, you have to be on a path of change. And that change can have any freaking adjective on it that anybody wants to say. It can be mindset. It can be overcoming this. It can be this. It can be that. But it's change, people. It's change. Because when you look at the mirror and you say, I'm ready to make that change, and you're committed, my God, man, it is powerful. It is extremely, extremely powerful, you know? Definitely. And that was the reason why I decided to to start a school in Bali. Mm-hmm. And it, again, I say it happened by accident, but nothing's oh ever an accident, God. right? Oh, my God. Come on now. Come on. <laughs> Come right? on. Now, what? I mean, what happened here was um, my landlady, she had, um, oh, she's got a story as well. But um, she's got two two children, a son who's the oldest and a daughter um, who was um, very much younger than um, her older son. And mm-hmm. um, apparently she could only afford to send one of her kids to learn English. And everybody there wants to learn English because if you can learn English, you can get a better job. Right, sure. which means a better lifestyle for you and your family. Sure. And sure. so she was really, really upset that her her brother got to go to English class and she didn't. So I decided to just say to her, all right, you know what, come round to my place um, an hour each day after school and I will spend an hour with you teaching you English. 
She was so so excited that she went and told everyone. Wow! <laughs> yes. So within a couple of weeks, what was so shocking about this is that I'll say to him, right, okay, you know, you finished school at two, two, come home, have something to eat, and come down to mine at four p.m. Mm-hmm. They would mm-hmm. get outside my house an hour before lesson starts. An hour wow. before, with their book bag, their pens, the pencils, everything. Right, an hour before, waiting for me to open my doors up. It's dedication. Uh, yes, and they came every single day for an hour, and it just grew and grew and grew. It was insane, right? Yeah. But then I was yeah. like, "There's got to be something in this," and then that's why I was like, "Okay, I need to do more because." What I find, especially the women in Bali and probably mm-hmm. in a lot of third world countries, um, it's almost like they're shrugged under the carpet. All they're there to do is to have kids, cook, clean, and that's it. Right. right. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, that's not happening at all, right? And then I decided I need to find out what's going on here, how I can make a change, and that's when I decided to partner up with this charity to help women um, monetize their skills because there were so many women there that had they were really creative, really artistic, and they can actually monetize it. Sure. And I went into these. Um, they're not schools, but they're like the charities that actually um, educate women to be able to provide for them and their family. And I was like, right, I'm going to go in there. Keeping in mind, none of them speak English. It's a second. <laughs> second language and I was like I've got to teach a bunch of girls how to be able to monetize their skills which was challenging in itself but there was a lot of pictures and hand gestures and actually doing rather than theory you know and Mm -hmm. oh my god like the feedback I got from that they were just like you can't go you need to come back when are you coming back next and I was like it's so needed in these countries and Mm -hmm. people like in the UK you know US Canada Australia we take these little things for granted so much. That's right. That's right. We take them for granted so much that we, as you mentioned earlier, we put ourselves into these classes of society and we say to ourselves, well, that's beneath us mm-hmm. or that's, that's not something that I will ever see myself doing. And, and yet, you know, we're always you know, fighting the conflict with ourselves to find out, well, how does other cultures come into our country and thrive and succeed and do the things that others won't do is because they're willing to accept the change. They're willing to accept the job that no one else wants and and know that that job's not going to be the be all to end all. They know that that job is a stepping stone. They know that job is a plateau to help them achieve their long-range plans, their long-range goals. And to me, that boggles me so much in our society today that, you know, a journey to success doesn't start at the freaking top. It doesn't. <laughs> That's right. No, nope. It doesn't okay. start at the top, you know? I mean, people come to me all the time with my management consultancy firm. They want to they work with me. They want to be consultants. They want to do this. And then, you know, we start talking dollars and cents, and they're like, well, I'm not going to come work for you for that. And I'm looking at them going, okay, fine. You got an education. I can respect that. Okay, fine. You have done 
uh, a little bit of training. Okay, I can respect that. But show me where the hell is your damn experience? Yeah. Where's your how do I know that? Yeah. yeah. How do I know that when I put you out there, you're not going to flop? You're not going to crack under pressure. I mean, it's like, it's like, come on, people, you know, understand that for the less than 5% of the world's wealth, wealthy people, let me, let me, let me rephrase that wealthy people that are out there that have this silver spoon where legacy of wealth is passed down from generation to generation to generation. The rest of us 95 percenters are not in that category. You got to work to get there. You know, you have to, you have to thrive. You have to overcome. You have to be able to, you know, put you yourself. Able, in. You got to be able to learn to fail. That's exactly. the ultimate exactly. Um, thing around that. You got to be able to be okay with failing multiple times. Bingo. Uh, and that's the only way to be successful. Listen, I ended up in 2017 being homeless in Costa Rica. Wow. Yeah. Right. But do you know what? Even though I was homeless, I had no food. I had no clean water to bathe, to drink, no nothing. Um, I saw that as a positive. Why? Because I was in Costa Rica under the sun and being able to live on the beach. <laughs> I was like, it could be worse, right? Yeah. It could yeah. be worse. But then, again, you've got to be able to adapt. You've got to be able to change. And I was like, I've got so much skills here. How am I going to survive this now, right? right? And the great thing of it was because I was on the beach, there's multiple different resources. Resources. The hotels and things like that. Uh, along the coast yep. right so i went to every single one of them and i go so i can bring you in clients i'll show you how to market i'll design your leaflets your marketing materials bring people in i need a roof over my head i need food in my mouth and i need water right and that's how i managed to survive that period of my time and managed to then raise the money to get the ticket back to uk yeah yeah Quite an impressive story, you know. I, uh, I I knew there was always a, a diamond in the rough when when you and I first talked because you know going through how you structured your book, never judge a book by its cover. Your inspirational journey towards success, and just looking at <clears throat> the illustration and the depths that you went as you described the things that were going on in your life at that moment in time for each and every chapter. You know, <clears throat> as we've talked about some of these things that you've just mentioned to me, you know, there in chapter one, you mentioned some of these things that we're talking about right now, right. which yeah. is the struggles that you had, you know, being homeless and the, you know, the, 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 the bad relationships and this, that, and the other. And then you know, in chapter two, where you're talking about the realization, the realization is, hey, I have to face, this is where I'm at. I have to get my, you know, big girl britches on and I've got to basically take a stance. And then, of course, you know, you've been saying these things happen by accident. But to me, in chapter three, what you really describe is it's really not an accident. Mm. It is dealing with the consequence, you know. It is, it is dealing with the consequence of what has been put forth 
that now gives you a new set of ground rules, a new set of challenges for you to be able to move your life forward. And then to me, out of the book, I, I, I'm going to tell you where I really relate with you, and I mean this very sincerely, is chapter four. Chapter four, starting from scratch, because okay. when you go through hitting rock bottom, like you said, you were homeless, mm-hmm. you know, when I said earlier, you know, and a lot of my fans and a lot of our, our listeners know that I, I, when I say I lost everything, you know, we're talking, we're talking big numbers too. You know, I lost everything, you know, wife, kids, house, car, home, whatever, you know, it was just gone, boom, vanished. Starting from scratch is, is a tough, tough road. Some people don't make it out of starting from scratch. Some mm-hmm. people kill themselves because they refuse to change. They just allow for themselves to be oppressed. They allow for themselves psychologically and emotionally and physically to be taken over by this torment to say, why me? And so that chapter resonated with me quite well. And of course, the whole book in itself is great. You know, when you get into chapter five, learning curve, you know, wanting more. And then, of course, where you are right now with chapter seven, the brand new you and then the finale. But I mean, overall, I think it was just well well represented. I think it was something that really shows, you know, the triumph, the successes, you know, and and what what adversity you had to overcome with all of the failures and things that that you'd had in your prior life. And then the biggest reward is getting a copy of your book in <laughs> Queen Elizabeth's library. Oh my god. Now, now I know you're on the New York bestsellers list. <clears throat> I know you've won awards, but how many other authors can say that they have their book in the Royal Library? I mean, that's just crazy, man. That's absolutely insane. I know. And that was, <laughs> you know what? The last thing I expected was a Royal letter to be sent to my home, you know, right. <laughs> right. with it stamped with Buckingham Palace. And I was like, oh, when I first saw this, I was like, oh my God, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. <laughs> right? It looked like a proper official letter. And I was like, oh my God, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. And then when I opened it up and it was a, a congratulations um, letter and a copy of my book in the Private Royal Library, I was like, OMG, like, this is insane. Right? But yeah. at the end of the day, what you got to realize is anything is possible. Anything oh, yeah. is possible. As long as you put, you know, put your mind to it. Anything. I mean, the book that I wrote, I wrote it in 30 days. Wow. Right. I wow. locked myself up in the room and I just started writing. I knew exactly what I wanted to write and I started writing. And the thing is, a lot of the stuff in there was personal. It was like me writing a personal diary. And even my own family, my parents didn't even know what half the stuff that I went through. Yeah. They didn't realize until they read it and both my parents cried. Right. Right. You know, and they were like, well, why didn't you tell us this is what you're going through? But my relationship with my parents at that point was volatile anyway. So I was never going to tell them anything. Sure. You know, Yeah. but yeah. It, it was me just pouring out my heart. And there were certain pages I was writing where I was actually crying and typing at the same time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, 
I can only imagine because I mean I I saw myself in a, <clears throat> in a lot of your stories that uh, you know you resonated with in in a, in in just about each and every single chapter. It wasn't necessarily living out your story; it was living out my own. Right. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> right, and that's what I wanted for my audience to capture: is for it to be relatable. There's so right. many people out there going through different adversities, right, different areas of their life, but they want to keep it a secret, or they feel like if they say something, they're going to be judged by it. Like it's mm-hmm. okay; everyone has their own journey, and it is your own very journey to success. Right. 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 So yeah. tell people, people need to hear these things to be motivated, and inspired for them to keep pushing themselves. Yeah. 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 You're, you're so right on there, Kay. You're so right on, you know, this has been, uh, you, you know, we're going to have to do like a podcast series, right? Cause I mean, this is like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, even just speaking to you about some of the things I have, I was like, oh my God, I need to tell them about this and I need to tell them about that. There's so many things to cover. Um, and I'll be happy to do a series with you. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna definitely look forward to that and we're gonna have to plan that out because uh, you know, you are you, you have this you have this infectious energy, you know, this added this attitude about life, you know, this blank canvas state on how you move through, you know, your journey towards success. I just think that, you know, there's so much in your message that can be shared with others that are just trying to pull themselves out, ones that are trying to to try to get themselves back on the saddle and, you know, your message right now even today could be a powerful statement for those that are out there going, man, I've just gone through, you know, one hellacious year with COVID. I lost my job. I did this, I did that. And, you know, they're just sitting in this negative funk of trying to figure out, you know, how do they put one foot in front of the other to be able to move forward? And it's just, it's a godsend that, you know, there's others out there like you that have gone through the bottom, you know, Right. And now their perspective on life is, you know, it's it's uncanny. You know, it is so different when you put yourself through those episodes or through those uh, those those challenges, and what you do with the decisions that you make as you you know navigate the storm. And uh, it's been a blessing to have you on the program. And certainly, you know, one of the things I'd like to do before we wrap up is. Tell us, what were some of the most important things that you learned through your journey that you could share with our listeners? Um, right. So the most important thing has to be um, being able to f- form or even rectify certain relationships in my life. So the relationships I had with my parents, my family, um, mm-hmm. being able to say I was wrong. Um mm-hmm in certain aspects and being able to see a perspective of their side and why they were saying no to me. And I didn't like being told no, (laughs) as you can imagine, as I was growing up, but being able to rectify those relationships and build a better relationship with my parents was one of the biggest lessons that I learned. And I'm so glad I did that um, because the way it was going, it was very volatile. So relationships is a big key, not just with family, but with my clients as well. 
Right, right. Yeah, that is uh, that is something that uh, you and I will uh, <laughs> will have to talk about <laughs> offline. I, you know, I find out more and more uh, intriguing details about you that uh, you know just keep bringing up a lot of things that we share in common. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. Um, we'll definitely have to have further conversations, and I look forward to that. Yeah, yeah. But thank well, you so much for having me on your show. It's very much appreciated. Um, yeah, and I can't wait for more. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, listen, Kay, you know, uh, congratulations on <clears throat> all of your successes, uh, particularly as it relates to the book, you know, and your overall, um, you know, coaching and entrepreneur, small business, uh, five pillar, you know, of, of business, uh, success that you're offering. Um, uh, so how do people go about, uh, acquiring that material or acquiring your, you know, your consultancy services? How, how would they go about doing that? Um, so they can either find me on Facebook under Kalp Nasutha, or they can go onto my website, which is uncensorsociety.com. Excellent. 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 All right, Kalpna. Well, certainly this has been a joy. I've had a lot of fun. I hope that you've had a lot of fun. Oh I mean, my God. Yeah. So much. This- the time has gone so quick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> next time we'll, 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 uh, We'll block off two hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. You might have uh, to do that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to our listeners, this has been episode 131 entitled Journey to Success. We certainly, certainly appreciate our featured guest today, Kalpna. This has been. Uh, it has been a joy. I mean, it's been a very easy flowing, you know, kind of uncandid conversation. Um, and, and it's just been, uh, it's been what we know we're all about here at cut to the chase. And so, you know, we'd like to welcome you to the cut to the chase family because there's many, many more things that, that, uh, you know, we look forward to collaborating with you on and to our listeners, this now concludes season five and I can proudly say we have completed 131 episodes in less than a year of recordings. And uh, thanks to everyone that has been there for us. We truly, truly appreciate all of your support and all of your comments, feedback, um, even, you know, the haters that are out there. Keep keep it all coming. You know, we're going to keep doing what we do and uh, and move this thing forward. And so, Kalpna, thank you very much again. Take care, everyone. Episode 131, Journey to Success. I'm Gregory Proctor, your host. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to Cut to the Chase. Stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Cut to the Chase. You'll also find even more great content on our website at www.k2tcpodcast.com. Thank you and catch you on the next episode.